When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is a guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer, he reaches in a right back runner. He's not Chad Grafton. He's just fought. Stu Grafton. Oh my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Grafton. This is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vinnabush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Dexter. He absolutely decked Jim Kite with a wild right. The sheer stagger by a big left hand. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 93 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who drop the gloves and the fans who enjoy watching them do it. We have a very special guest today, folks. Uh, as you can tell by the title, and I had brought it up last week, but we got former NHL enforcer Luke Gazdick coming on the show. Um, and I mean, we t- the amount of guys we talk about is tremendous. It's a it's an hour episode, but man, is it packed with info, fight breakdowns, and uh, this was this was a lot of fun doing this. And I want to thank Luke for taking the time to sit down on the podcast and um, give a, give the folks an inside look at the role of enforcer and tough guys. So I know folks are here to tune into that. They don't really want to hear me listen, so I will get all the important stuff out of the way, and we'll pass it over to Luke Gazdick here in just a moment. Um, as I mentioned before, the Five for Fighting podcast is, in fact, a proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There are over a hundred shows on the network, ranging from every NHL team in the league. Uh, some teams even have multiple shows. So whatever team you are a fan of, there is a show for you. And in terms of the original content side of things, you have myself, you have Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. And that, of course, is him focusing on the Islanders enforcers. Uh, Joe does a tremendous job on his show. Uh, he's recently started doing the off the island kind of, uh, excuse me, the off the island shows, which is where he has talked, or excuse me, he has brought on his interviews that he did when he was with the Nordiques Knuckles podcast and uploaded those to this new platform. So that is now available for your listening pleasure. But I mean, he's got a tremendous back catalog. You know, Trevor Gillies, Mike McWilliam, Kerry Clark, um, uh, you know, 
the the list goes on. I think who do you have Dean Ewan on as well? I mean, it's the the list. It's funny. I, I was thinking about it the other day, and like the I I, I might have brought this up before, but the list of uh, back catalog guys, myself, Joe, Darren have. I mean, it's just it's insane. Um, and of course, I mentioned Darren over at the Fourth Line Voice, the original Enforcer podcast. He actually just had on NHL Enforcer uh, Jonathan Aitken on his podcast, and he's got a great back catalog. John Morasty, Steve McIntyre. Uh, the list goes on with with both or both of our shows, all three of our shows. I mean, it's it's a lot of a lot of cement. We'll put it that way. You're not gonna not gonna find uh, <laughs> Lady Bing winners in our back catalog. We'll put it that way, folks. So I encourage everyone to go check that out. Um, but I won't take up too much of your time, folks. I just want to give a quick shout-out to Hit Club Hockey Supply. That's where you can find the podcast merch. If you want T-shirts, hoodies, hats, different colors, different sizes, everything, M-O-U-S-E, uh, they got it up there at Hit Club Hockey Supply. I know they just did a promo video with former guest of the show, uh, Railers, tough guy, uh, Chris Ortabody. So, um very, very cool edited video from Hit Club. I know they they do a lot of stuff with the boys up there, uh, whether it's the Federal League, the SP, or the ECHL. So, um, you know, big shout out to the boys over at Hit Club Hockey Supply. And they have multiple designs over there. It's not just podcast merch, of course. They're, they have golf shirts. Uh, I mean, the countless amount of graphic tees. So uh, head over to hitclubhockey.com if you want to, uh, if you know, Follow the link. It's in the description of the podcast here. Uh, last but not least, if you want to follow the podcast, just search Five for Fighting Pod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, that new Threads app, which I'm barely on, and it seems like nobody else is on it either. So, um, yeah, I guess <laughs> follow the pod there if you want, but I really don't post too much because I don't really, I don't know. The app is weird to me. But Facebook, Instagram, and X or Twitter, whatever the fuck you want to call it these days. So, anyways, folks, you did not come here to hear me yap. I will pass it over to Luke Gazdick. I hope everybody enjoys and thank you for tuning in. And now here's a quick word from our sponsor. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Get in on the NFL two-week action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now. Use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for gambling problem. Call 888-789-777. Or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 in age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. This should be good. This should be very good. All right, folks, today on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have a very special guest. I'm looking forward to this interview. He is a former NHLer. He was involved in the infamous Ice Guardians Enforcer documentary, and that is one Mr. Luke Gazdick. Luke, how are you doing today, man? Good, buddy. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and uh, talk some fights here. And I was, it was funny. I was messaging some buddies beforehand because, uh, of course, all of us fight nerds will talk and we'll converse about questions to ask prior to this. And, uh, man, just going through your fight card, holy shit, did you fight some guys. It was especially your rookie year in the NHL, which we'll get to, of course. But holy shit, was your fight card stacked, man. <laughs> yeah, I look back on it sometimes and uh, try to wonder how I put my body and my mind through that. Um even back to my early days in the American League, I was fighting 20, almost 30 times a year. I think I fought my rookie year. So it was uh, quite quite the career in that aspect. And, man, I'm, I'm super proud of it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, well, I guess before we get into your hockey career, what is what is Luke Gazdick up to these days? Luke Gazdick is uh, retired from pro hockey, living back, um, living back in the home city of Toronto. I've... Uh, Explore the sports media route now. So I'm a hockey analyst on Sportsnet. You can see me on there three times a week on Hockey Central once the season gets going. And uh, started my own podcast on the side called Mitts Off with Luke Gazdick, where I have uh, NHLers and former guys on. And uh, I do a lot of work with the Oilers alumni as well. So uh, doing tons of alumni events in and around Toronto and back in Alberta. That's awesome, man. For your podcast, is it just like you? So, are you getting like NHL players on there? I saw, uh, based on what I was looking at, you had quite a few. I think every interview actually is NHL players. Now that I was looking at it, um, but so are you getting current players and former players on, basically, and kind of just giving the rundown of their career. Yeah, it was supposed to be a split, really, but I have the benefit of being back home here in Toronto. There's so many National League guys that are back right. home training here in the summer, so. The more I started talking to guys and reaching out, it just ended up being all NHL guys. And yeah. uh, we're going to kind of pivot to alumni here because I love hearing alumni stories, especially the tough guys and what what they went through. But uh, it's just a different avenue for me and nice conversations, maybe answers you wouldn't hear from typical media interviews and uh, more conversation style. And um, it's been fun so far. We're eight episodes in and just kind of seeing where it goes from here, man. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, definitely always fun when fun and exciting when you start the podcasting game. It's uh, it's always a fun time. Um, well, is it found on all platforms there? So like Spotify, Apple, everywhere. Yeah, you can get it on all audio, Spotify, Apple. Our YouTube channel is where we house all the video and teasers and stuff. And a lot of it's through my personal. And we also have a TikTok, Mitts Off with Luke Gazik, that absolutely crushes it. We have a bunch of short form content on there, little teasers and stuff. So if you're a TikTok guy, it's on there as well. There you go. I, you know what's funny? I had a TikTok for less than 24 hours. Um, I, start, <laughs> I, I was like, I was trying to figure out a different avenue because I was like, you know what? I'm not on TikTok at all. I was like, let me start posting fights there. And I actually had like 2,000 followers in a night because the fights took off, but I guess TikTok doesn't like posts and hockey fights, and a lot of them just got banned. I was like, well, I don't see a point in, in this platform for me anyway. <laughs> for, for yeah, the they don't I love post. the violence, but they don't yeah. love the violence, but it's, uh, it's I want to call it an addicting platform. I've learned so much from it, man. You find so much cool content, and everyone's mm -hmm. going digital these days. So yeah. even for me, staying on top of sports and, and knowing what's going in and around the league, jump on TikTok, and your algorithm kind of does its thing. So it's an interesting app for sure yeah for sure um well man i guess we'll, we'll dive right into uh luke gazdick's hockey career here so when did you first start playing hockey were you a typical canadian kid pretty much born on skates right out of the womb oh yeah i grew up in uh in the north end of toronto here and our backyard was just about big enough to to uh fr freeze it down in the winter so i had an older brother and i had you know younger siblings as well but at the time i was probably three four years old my dad would flood the rink in the backyard and that's how we uh we got started skating on the uh, on the frozen rink in in uh in the back 
tier and I was probably playing, you know, organized competitive hockey, I'd say around that time, four or five and playing house league and select and um, got my start here. Yeah. In Toronto and, and just ran with it. My older brother played and my dad played, uh, played as well. He was an NHL draft pick and played in the OHL. So I always wanted to kind of follow in that direction. For sure. Well, and you definitely did because you ended up with the Erie Otters. Um, take us through that process and how it was kind of getting getting selected by Erie. Did you end up having to go to camps and get selected or did they kind of approach you at the time? No, I wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't a exact typical high caliber hockey player, I guess you'd say. I was I was the captain on my minor midget team, but, you know, I wasn't I wasn't super skilled. I wasn't too flashy. And with all the kids that were the 89 group in Toronto here was crazy. Uh, the Toronto Marlies team with Sam Gagne and John Tavares and all these guys that came out of Toronto. I was always on the lower end of that, but I just kind of kept chipping away. I got drafted late in the ninth round to the Otters and didn't make it as an underager as a 16-year-old. I always explored the possibility of, you know, maybe going to uh, going to university and trying to get an NCAA scholarship. But uh, I always had the idea of going to the O in my back pocket. I kind of always loved that avenue. It was it was hockey that I always watched and grew up watching my high school uh, that I went to in Toronto State Mike's had the St. Mike's majors so I went to a lot of majors games and uh, just fell in love with with that type of uh, hockey and that uh, and that league so my 17 year old year I came in and made a little hay in camp and ended up making the team and you know the rest is history as they say. When did the fighting kind of start for you? Was it a switch that you had to make? Because uh, before we got going, folks, uh, Luke had told me that his his like crazy fight with Kyle Newber was like his third fight of his his career. So that was insane to hear. So when did when did that aspect of your game kind of start coming into play for you? Yeah, it was that first year in the, in junior in the OHL. I played junior A the year before when I was sixteen for the Wexford Raiders here, uh, just outside Toronto. Um, but I think I only fought maybe two or three times and really had no idea what I was doing. They were just more scrums and, and little things like that. And I'd had a lot of conversations with people, especially over the summer of, you know, wanting to get noticed and, uh, you know, wanting to be an everyday lineup kind of guy. And I got into a fight my very first night, very first OHL game in Windsor at Windsor arena and did pretty well. The next night we played at home Saturday night at home in uh, in Erie versus London. And I fought a guy named David Jerem on my, it was my first shift and I grabbed him. He switched left and I knocked him just kind of TKO. He just dropped and then fought him again in the second period. And I swear it just took off from there. It was like, you know, all the guys in the league, especially the older guys kind of wanted a piece of, the, of this young kid that was, that was running around. And that Kyle Newber fight was really early. I think I said third, but it, it was no more than five to seven or eight of my first fights. And you can watch, man, I'm just throwing my flapping my arms around. Don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, still figuring it out as we went with each fight. But I think I ended up with around 20 fights that year and really kind of exposed me into that world of, of being a tough guy for a hockey team. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. That fight with Kyle Newber, man, holy shit. It's just trading bombs and it's an absolute marathon. <laughs> Um, a couple of teammates you had that year too. I got to ask you about, uh, you had Anthony Peluso and Mike Leambus. And of course that's not your, it won't be your first run in with those two, but, uh, what was it like playing alongside them? Yeah. Two of my good buddies, Mike Leambus still to the day is one of my best friends, but I, I would say that the three of us were probably three of the top 10 
toughest guys in the league. And uh, <laughs> me and Mike were rookies at the time. We had known each other from back home and, and came to Erie together. And we both wanted to make a splash. He is one of the funniest, toughest guys you'll ever meet. Pound for pound, just loves it. And Palouse had those long, lanky arms where he could stretch you out and, and threw really, really hard right hands. I always wanted to play. We always wanted to play together on a line, but no, none of our coaches would put us <laughs> on a line together because a no one could play center, and, uh, and and all we wanted to do was cause havoc. So it was like throwing me. the Hansons out there. <laughs> exactly. So it was either me and Bus with a center, or you know, me and Palouse with a with a center iceman. So it was fun playing with those guys. I'll tell you, we had some nights where we lost eight, nine, nothing, ten, three. I remember losing in Kingston, but. The other teams were leaving with ice bags most nights because we were not uh, leaving without a, without a fight. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, for sure. Um, when did you feel like you started kind of getting more comfortable with the fighting? Because I know for some folks, um, you know, when when they first kind of start in the role, it can be kind of like they're almost like sporadic and they're kind of thrown around. But when did you kind of start being able to, I guess, slow the fight down, if that makes sense, and be able to kind of think like, okay, maybe I got to grab here or, you know, maybe throw a jersey jab here and there. When did it kind of start, I guess, coming coming together for you, if that makes sense? Oh, good question, man. I think there was a couple instances. It, one of them I remember specifically was my first first time I got really knocked out. Uh, I was playing the Sudbury Bulls and caught a left and just dropped. And I, at that time I had really just been grabbing on and kind of like that Nuber fight, like you were, were talking about just throwing and chins out to here and not looking for defense at all. And I got pulled aside by my head coach and he was like, you just can't, you can't be doing this every time you can't throw for the fences and, and just go toe to toe with every single guy like that, that knockout's going to happen more than, more than one time. And uh, I started to learn from there. That's when I really started watching tape and uh, drop your gloves was a site that was back around that time. And I really started picking guys apart. I watched, you know, guys like Jared Bowl and Tom Sestito and Chris Stewart and, and uh, even guys in, in the in the NHL and in pro hockey and kind of watching what the bigger guys did and how they kind of used their reach to their advantage and weren't just giving up their size and strength to smaller guys. But it took a long time to figure that out. It was it was almost in pro hockey in my first couple of years of pro hockey when I started fighting men, when I realized that I couldn't even fight the way I did in junior versus these guys. So I, I would say I got it dialed down and figured out when I got a couple of years into pro hockey, man, it was a process. It was every fight for me. I picked up something along the way, a little more, whether it was defense or strategy or, um, you know, whatever it was. Um, I, I just learned as I went, man. Yeah, for sure. So you, and you kind of alluded to it, but could you see a different caliber of guys once you got to that AHL level, um, you know, like in different of fighting, because there's always a, uh, there's always kind of like a learning curve. Like, you know, a guy could be the top dog in junior, but as soon as he gets to that different level, whether it's the AHL or NHL, it's like, you know, now you got to almost claw your way back up to the top again. Yeah, it was, uh, it was scary, man. It was night and day <laughs> for me. I went to some of the rookie camps in Traverse city with Dallas and, uh, I fought a couple times in XC games, but then you get in the, in the mix of it in the American league, the old jungle back then. And, I was in the division. I mean, San Antonio was right down the road. They had guys like Frankie Lassard, Ryan Hallway, and Troy Bodie, and it just guys that were just so big. And the difference was that if you made mistakes versus these guys, they're going to hurt you 
Whereas in junior, you know, you might be able to make a mistake here and there or get hit. And I'm not saying, you know, guys like Palouse and those guys wouldn't hurt you, but these were men. These were grown men that had been fighting in pro hockey for 10 years, 15 years. I fought John Morasti in Syracuse, my first time going to Syracuse as a rookie with Texas. And that was a wake up call for me too. these guys that they could just pick you apart and they would watch your tape and they'd watch all the way back to junior and know exactly what you were bringing to the table. Um, so it was, it was a wake up call for sure, man. It was, it was fighting men and uh, it was, uh, it was a bit of a terrifying experience, but like I said, man, I would, I would learn stuff from the guys that I fought and, and, uh, and, and kind of uh, try to try to emulate some of the things that, that I, that I saw. Yeah, well, you I mean, you brought him up, and of course, the the hype with him on this latest Spit and Chicklets interview, and of course, he's one of the gyms in the Shorzy show, but take us through that fight with John Morasti. How, how was it going against him? Because you got to, like, the, the psychological factor, you got him, he's not the biggest guy, I think he stands at six foot even, or six foot one, but he's always smiling, and he's got the mohawk, or he's got the shaved head just ready to go. Uh, did you Did you have any idea what you were getting yourself into when you were going against Morasti that night? Yeah, I mean, set the scene. You go into Syracuse, the War <laughs> Memorial. I don't know whoever's listening or if you've been there. It is a gritty rink. You uh, go in through the back entrance, and the visitor dressing room is right underneath the stands, and it's small and compact. It's just this old, really intimidating building. And, I mean, I've been running around the league fighting everybody, trying to get in. I'll make a name for myself and stay in the lineup every night. So, of course, Morasti's across the other side of the red line and warm up, not even warming up. He's staring at me the whole time. You talk about the psychological element that's involved in um, him not even participating in the line rushes, just patrolling <laughs> the red line. I don't even think he had to say much, just kind of licking his lips. Oh, here's the young kid. He, you know, you think you're tough. So I remember my coach telling me to stay away from him because all credit to John, he was tough as nails, but he could barely get up and down the ice, you know, and, and I can, I could say that now because we're both done and I hope he's not going <laughs> to hurt me, but he, you know, he was only going to play a couple shifts a game. I knew that he was really literally just out there to kind of set the tone, intimidate and fight. So the first shift I remember saying no. And I was like, I, I kind of want to do this though. Like I, I, right. I want a piece of him. So I, I was the type of guy that I couldn't get asked more two, two, three, four times before I was like, you know what? I'm not even, I, I can't even listen to the coach. I'm just going to, I'm going for this. So second shift, we just dropped him. And I remember being intimidated and I, I, I thought intimidated. I remember I kind of look back at it. I've seen the video and you can see I'm kind of hiding from it. Cause I, I think that I, I didn't want to go toe to toe in that manner. And I started throwing some pretty heavy rights and it's, pretty deflating when he started la almost laughing at me he was smiling <laughs> i was i was throwing full hammers from my from you know downtown right field with this right hand and hitting them and he's just kind of smiling and i really knew i wasn't doing that much damage and he got a couple away too but he doesn't he, he wasn't throwing that hard i was pumped and jacked that i got it out of the way you know the older guys on my team absolutely loved it you know you get all the head the, the head taps and the stick taps from the from the coaches and the boys after so one of those ones that i was pretty nervous about going into but after it's done you're you know kind of patting even yourself on the back and you know, glad it's over. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Well, you know, you ended up getting drafted by Dallas, and I know we just you know, talked about your time with the because I know you're with Texas at the uh, at the time of the fight with Rasty. But what was it like getting drafted? How was that feeling for you? Um, did it feel like you know maybe this fighting is starting to pay off a bit? Because I know it's probably a hard road and hard to see at the time when you're scrapping night in and night out. Yeah, and, and listen, Alec, like I didn't. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I thought I was going to get drafted to the NHL. I maybe I talked to two teams. Maybe I think I filled out a psyche valve for the Islanders, which they did with like eight other guys on my team. And um, I had a sit down on the Wednesday before the draft draft was on Friday, Saturday. And on the Wednesday, the regional scout for the Dallas stars called me and out of the blue and said, let's go sit down and have lunch. And uh, he had referenced a time. Uh, and this is what I always talk about fighting. We went into Owen Sound late in the season with Erie, and they had Phil Oreskovic and Theo Peckham at the time, who were maybe the one, two, or two, three toughest guys in the league. Peckham, for everybody, was was maybe the toughest guy in hockey. And I went in there and fought Phil Oreskovic on the first shift of the first game, on the first shift of the second period twice. And then on the doubleheader on the Saturday, I fought him again on the first shift. And then we wanted to go for a fourth time, but the refs even stepped in because at that time it was just a WWE <laughs> show. Like, boys, point. what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, but I, I slapped him around probably two out of the three times. He came out of it in the, even the second night. He had uh, the raccoon eyes going because I, I had hit him really hard in the, in the nose a couple times. And uh, the scout from Dallas had told me that that was a wake-up call to a lot of scouts that, hey, this, this kid's 17 years old, and he's fighting 20-year-olds that are the toughest kids in the league and giving them a run for their money. And that was a time where fighting was a lot more respected in, in terms of rounding out your game. So he had referenced that as a point um, of, of, of wanting to draft me and how that, you know, they noticed that. But I could also get up and down the ice. I was wasn't a great skater, but but I could I could scoot and had a decent set of hands as a winger, and and they saw some upside in me. So I went to a to a high school prom the night before for, for I wasn't obviously wasn't going in the first round, but even this the second round and all those um, all those passed it the next day. I remember telling my parents not to call me just because I didn't really want to know I wasn't following it but I got a call during the sixth round and one of my buddies was screaming at the phone it's Dallas it's Dallas look at you know look online and uh before I knew it I'd been drafted in the sixth round so that was pretty cool I was on a flight like three days later to development camp down there to uh to Frisco and what a cool place man Texas is just like the coolest state and Dallas was such a cool experience um, some future NHLers in my draft, Colton Sevier and Jamie Ben, who ended up being one of my best buddies. So I had a great time with that organization. I had really hoped to make my mark there and play some NHL games there. And like careers go, it didn't go that way. Um, I would have loved to play uh, some NHL time there, but uh, have nothing but good things to say about my time with the Stars. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, and before I ask you about a couple guys that you fought that that rookie season, you actually played a couple games in the ECHL. And as folks who listen to my show, of course, know this is a very ECHL heavy podcast. But one of the guys you ended up fighting down there was Ryan Hand. And I know people who follow the NHL might not know, but Ryan Hand was a tough dude. He came out of the Quebec League of all places, uh, went to the ECHL. Well, it was after junior because he fought. He was with the Quebec Major Junior League, then went to the LNH for his rookie season. Uh, do you remember fighting Ryan Hand at all on the coast there? Yeah. So if I am remembering correctly, that was my, was that, oh, that was the first, my first uh, professional rookie year when I got sent down to Boise. I got, I did like a three week kind of conditioning stint. I remember I wasn't playing a lot in Austin and they brought me in and said, we're going to send you down to Boise for five games. 
and uh, go down there, go play a ton of ice time and uh, don't worry about scrapping. Like, do not scrap. Like, just go down there, play, get some ice time. So I go down there and I don't think I'd scrapped yet. And all I heard was that the team we were playing had brought in this guy from the LNAH, the Quebec Fighting League, as everyone <laughs> called it, strictly to fight me. And I didn't know anything about this guy. And guys are showing me video before the game. This guy's nuts. Like, we go out there. True story. This guy is friggin' barking at me in warm up. <laughs> Same thing as Morasti. Like he didn't, he didn't skate uh, at all in warm up. He just patrolled the red line. I'm gonna, I, you're done. I, you're done, guys. Take all this, all this. So we skated out for you know pregame before the two minutes, and the lights are off, and everyone's spinning, and he's still barking at me like a dog. So I wasn't supposed to start, but they started him first line right wing. Oh, and my coach, Derek Laxdahl, is like, gas, just go for it. You know, like he starts me first line left wing. And I'm pretty sure we went at it the very first shift there, like a second into the game. So we ended up having a pretty good scrap, but I'll never forget uh, that kid barking at me like a dog before the game, just <laughs> chomping at the bit. Um, I'm not even sure how long he lasted there. Uh, but that, that was my last ever ECHL game. I got called back up to Austin right back after that one. I never looked back. <laughs> Tremendous. Yeah, well, Ryan Head, he was definitely a minor league tough guy. Lasted actually quite a few years. I think he bounced, if I remember right, he went to the CHL, uh, definitely the ECHL and the, the LNH. Uh, I know he ended his career there, but... Uh, yes, yeah, a tremendous story. Yeah, I don't think you'll see that in today's game as much. Nearly uh, guys barking at the red line and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't see too much of that anymore, buddy. Um, well, you know, so you you brought up a couple of guys before. Uh, of course, we went over the Morasti fight, but another guy you talked about was Frank Lassard, and you know, how was it fighting him? And did uh, <laughs> did you ever see his ankle tape, man? Like, I gotta ask about it because it was like. It was like a roll per oh, ankle yeah. on him. Like it was, it was absurd. <laughs> One of the scariest men I've ever played against, honestly. Like when I talk about going from junior to to pro and playing against grown men, that's who I think of is Frankie Lassard. We played, we played San Antonio like 12, 14 times. <laughs> so I see this guy, he's fourth line right wing. I'm fourth line left wing. I play every shift against him. And he had not a care in the world for any of his surroundings when he played hockey this guy would take full 100 150 foot runs at guys with his stick up in the air like this big right-handed shot and like you said an entire roll of clear tape around the ankles just so they weren't bending anywhere and he would you know mercilessly hit guys and after a while i think it was a guy that i wanted to stay away from because if you watch tape on him he grabbed you he's a lefty he grabbed you with the right and just threw less toe to toe so i'm like you know my strength is my right hand so if i fight this guy i gotta go toe to toe i want to go strength for strength so one night i finally just did it i think we didn't fight twice in the game but we fought two times in like a short window and I remember I got the first one over with, and I was just so like, like finally it's over. Cause I think I did pretty well, but that was one of the ones where I just remember being terrified just cause this man was a lunatic out there. Oh yeah, for sure. And I know Lassard from uh, what I've heard of it based on either other, other interviews I've heard or interviewing guys is he's definitely one of those guys that'll be like, you ask him to fight. He'll be like, no, 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 I'm not going to fight. He's skate. Two strides away, gloves are off when you're getting haymakers thrown at you because Lassar just did not give a shit. <laughs> just did not. Exactly. It was just so unpredictable, man. Like, yeah. I never knew from game to game what he was going to do. I generally tried to stay away from guys and kind of play the game and just kind of 
you know, play it as it developed, but he wouldn't let me do that most nights because he was crushing guys from behind or calling out the bench, whatever it was. So for you, and I know this is a, uh, it's something that gets talked about with tough guys and enforcers in your role. Did you ever have the trouble sleeping before games and like, you know, the, the pregame naps are goodbye, like hard to eat, hard to kind of, you know, get going to warmups because you're so focused on fighting sometimes? Oh, for sure. Especially when I was young, I, I internalized a lot of that stress and that pressure. Like I watched a lot of fights like leading up. I, I, it was interesting though, the older I got and the further I got, especially into the NHL, the less tape I watched, um, previous to the, to the upcoming fight. So like I was watching guys days before and the weeks leading up to it. So I was almost psyching myself up. Um, but it was hard not to, at that point, I was kind of collecting all the content in the league and wanted to know everything about guys and, and almost psyching myself up. But the night before usually wasn't bad. I'd get a decent sleep, but it was always game days where I was, I was stirring. I was restless. It's hard to lie down for a relaxing hour and a half nap when, you know, you have a guy like Frankie Lassard, that's going to be breathing down your throat. And, um, you know, professional fights are stressful, man. You got uh, however many fans watching you and you don't want to get beat and your team, you want to be there for your teammates. And, uh, you know, you're just thinking of every scenario in your head, um, on game day. And that's not even including the game, man. Like I wanted to play well as well. Right. Like, I wanted to have, good games and and four check well and try to you know score some goals and it was hard to uh hard to put the fighting stuff aside so i definitely had some sleepless days and some sleepless nights in in those first few years especially yeah no for sure it's one of the things i've always always interests me with a role because it's like you have to play that game then you still have to you still had a, a hockey game to play at the same time so it's it's a crazy double-edged sword um another guy you ended up fighting that year was josh gratton legendary tough guy uh, you know, how, how was it fighting him? Yeah, he was a gamer, man. Chicago Wolves, they always gave us a run for our money. We played them a lot. They were in our division. I think we played them about eight times a year, uh, but they were gritty. They had the older Reed Simpson there and, and Gratz. And um, I remember they had a couple guys and it was always just a, it was always a grind. And, and Gratz was always down. That's why I called him a gamer. It didn't matter what the score was, <laughs> what the situation was. I don't know. You could fact check me, but I had to be at least four times I fought him. And they were always good, good bouts. I remember he didn't hit particularly hard, but he was really good with his hands and he could take a punch. And for most times for me, that was the most difficult with guys that could take punches. Like guys defended themselves differently than others. And some guys didn't mind taking that some guys could deflect themselves from a lot of punches and that was really irritating to me because you know you want to get the upper hand but Gratz almost left himself out there and would absorb it so that he could counter right away and um, that was interesting for me and that was just another scenario of me learning things and picking things up because I was like man this guy he's great counter puncher I'm like you know what's he doing and you know he would kind of accept it and absorb it but nothing but respect for that man he was an absolute gamer for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And he did it over in the KHL too. It's like Josh, I, I could go down the Josh Grant rabbit hole for days on this, on his fight. Yeah, card he, and everything. We fought yeah. at home in, I got to tell you that we fought at home in Texas one night too. And we had a great scrap and they have a camera that kind of pans as you're going off the ice in Cedar park and, and they go off the uh, Zamboni. So he just glided off the ice. And I remember took, 
follow four or five steps and there was a big bar and he just grabbed the top bar and started doing chin-ups on the way out after we fought <laughs> and i had, i didn't see it until after my boys are like did you see grats after your fight and then i think you can go it, it might get cut off in the, one of our videos but yeah he went off and started ripping chin-ups after the fight just unfazed yeah just an absolute mutant jesus christ yeah exactly <laughs> oh man well what before we get to your pro debut one guy i'm ahead of a buddy and he watched him play when he was out in uh quad city with the flames but he was a teammate of yours very briefly but do you have any warren peters stories by chance oh Petey was uh i hate to use the word again but gamer um he was toughness personified man i um i got to camp with him in dallas he had signed as a as you know maybe a free agent with dallas when i was coming into my rookie year um very quiet in the dressing room really intense um and then ended up getting sent down and he was part of a leadership crew that we had there that was outstanding my first year in cedar park it was one of the reasons that i was able to excel as a person player and teammate there was all our veteran leadership with guys like Petey. this guy was nails man and would go down to block slap shots on the penalty kill and get hit in places and be right back up i'll never forget the first round versus rockford uh, we ended up sweeping Rockford, Rockford, but I don't even know the player, but in front of the net, there was a scrum and he took a cross check solid to the face that the kid got kicked out of the game for. That was one of the most vicious things I've ever seen in my life. And Petey just ate it and like <laughs> came right back up, almost spit out a couple chiclets and like was right back in the fight. Um, he had scars all over his face, but was like, really cool and calm and collected and was like a guy that I could go to to ask stuff, you know, as a yeah. young kid. Um, same thing for, for PD, man. Nothing but respect for him. He was uh, he was a cool guy. Quiet, but just nails. Yeah, he said, uh, he goes, yeah, he goes, curious if he has any Warren Peters story. Heard he was an intense dude. Uh, so I definitely had to ask, ask you about him for sure. Um, yeah, no, he was great. The uh, So – your pro debut with the Edmonton Oilers. Take us through what it was like the moment you got called up, the emotions you had going through it when, you know, based on uh, everything leading up to your first game. Oh, man. So that was my fifth training camp going into Dallas, and I hadn't played an NHL game since since then. I hadn't been called up before, and this was like kind of – you know, make it or break it for me. Like I, I felt like it was really my chance. I gave myself the best opportunity in the summer, came in incredible shape. I wasn't going to take no for an answer for that squad, but I had a great camp, made it all the way to the final game versus the Edmonton Oilers in Oklahoma city and chased after Steve Mack, uh, Steve McIntyre <laughs> a couple times and uh, didn't end up, you know, scrapping him, but made it known that I, I kind of wanted to chase him around. And uh, he ended up coming for a hit, on me later that game and was carted off the ice with a knee injury. Basically uh, he tore his knee and I ended up scoring on a two on one later in that game, uh, far side on the, on Devin Dubnik. And after the game, I, I was getting pats from all the boys. I figured I'd made the stars. Honestly, I got on the flight and I was pretty joyous. I was like, I scored. I, you know, fought a couple times this camp. There's no way they're going to send me down after four years and told a, told me I had the meeting in the morning and went in there the next day. They told me they were waving me again. And I was understandably very upset. Um, got in the car and drove to Austin. Uh, they said, you can stay here and wait to clear or drive to Austin. I went down there and the next morning, 12.01, I, uh, I got a call on my cell phone from an unknown number and it was uh, Craig McTavish. And he said, you know, have you played in the NHL before? And I started laughing 
said, I can't believe this is happening. And he said, well, you're going to play Hockey Night in Canada this Tuesday night uh, versus the Winnipeg Jets. Get on a flight. You're going to be an NHLer. Uh, so I said bye to all my teammates that I had been with for years in Austin and got a connecting flight. I'll never forget. I always tell people this story. I got to Minneapolis and waiting at the gate for me was Mark Messier yelling my name as I was sprinting there. I was late for the flight. And he said, you know, I'm going to take you to Edmonton. We're going to fly there together. Uh, I'm dropping the puck for the game. So I got to go with Mark Messier and shoot the shit with him for uh, for a couple hours and uh, woke up the next day, found out I was in the lineup and Never forget this, man. First shift in my first game um, on Hockey Night in Canada um, in Edmonton. I uh, picked up a puck and uh, went around the circle, threw it on net, and got my first NHL goal on my first NHL shot 14 seconds into my first shift. So um, all the roads leading up to that were were worth it. The hockey gods were, were smiling down on me uh, in my first game. I ended up fighting Scott Thorburn. Um, you know, in the second period or shot store burn in the second period. So it was a nice little debut. I wish we could have got the win that night. We lost in a shootout, I think, or overtime, but um, quite the debut, man. Yeah. Well, what a way to do it for, you know, first shift, first goal, you get taken there by Messier and you get in a tilt. I mean, I don't think you could ask for much more for an NHL debut. Um, you know, this season you, you ended up, I mean, you didn't slow down in fighting. We'll put it that way. You ended up with 15 fights this year. And I mean, this you fought just absolute nails this entire year. Um, I guess the first one I'll take us through is, uh, I, and I got this one asked a lot too, is what was it like fighting Brian McGratton? Everybody wants to know how it is fighting Big Earn. Um, you know, I think I'd consider him probably the last heavyweight champ of the NHL uh, back when the it was kind of true in forces. I know people talk about Reeves and stuff, but I just don't think he's quite up to the same caliber as like a McGratton. But what was it like getting Big Earn? Because I know he's got he's got his elbows down on his knees, just chomping at the bits before the tilt. I will, I, I'll get to that. I will correct myself first. It was Chris Thorburn. I, I was thinking Sean Thornton. So if you're good, he man. ever <laughs> sing, yeah, if, if anyone's listening, don't stop. Don't call me out on that. It was Chris Thorburn, but <laughs> Gratz was one of the guys that I had my eye on Alec for like a long time. He was one, he was like a measuring stick fight for me where I'm like, uh, I really want to get this one done, man. I've been watching Gratz since I was a kid growing up in Toronto, him fighting tied only on hockey night in Canada. Um, and when he was a young guy. So I watched tape for him. And like I told you, I evolved watching tape as I got older and I would get off the ice after warmups. And depending on the team we were playing, let's call it Calgary, I would have our video guy, Miles, um, set up four or five fights for me for different guys. I'd say, grab me Gratz's last two or three fights. I didn't want to watch his fights versus Ty Domi 15 years ago. I wanted to watch his last couple of fights, see what he's doing, what his stamina is like. What he, what's he fighting like these days, you know? Um, is he throwing rights or lefts? What happens when he gets hit? Can I get him moving? Like all that stuff. And I'm watching him and I'm like, he doesn't do anything, you know, special, like particularly special. He grabs on with his right hand, loves the Jersey jabs and he throws overhand rights, minimal upper hands. I'm like, I could take this guy, man, get him moving, like spin him around. And the instant he grabbed me, I, I honestly went, Oh boy, I am <laughs> in because then I realized that the strength factor was, the dominant factor. It was it was the hardest that someone had ever grabbed onto me. And he could just rotate and like was just moving me and pushing me in any direction I wanted. I was trying to spread leg. I was trying to get on my inside edges. But you're right. I will tell you the lead up before when he puts his hands down on the pants. And this was maybe one of my earlier shifts, my first battle of Alberta. 
hockey night in Canada in Calgary center ice, like you, the coolest of the cool, you know, like right. for me, that is like the dance. And my brother lives in Calgary. He was at the game. He told me he just put his head in his hands and he was like, I can't watch this. This is, this is terrifying. Um, but yeah, man, when he grabbed on and he started like Jersey jabbing, I, I just, I was like, just hang in there. Cause most guys, most guys will, will die down after a while. Right. Energy wise, but he wasn't that way. And he, uh, I would say he, he definitely got the better of me in that fight, but I hung in there and I hit him pretty hard a couple times, especially late. Um, and he just eats them, man. He could take punches. He could dish them out. Uh, and as you can see in that clip, he gives me a little pat on the head. And I think I said, thanks for the scrap big urn or thanks for the scrap big man. And he goes, great, great job, kid. Great scrap. Um, so we actually even went in the box and he was just, you know, shooting the shoot the breeze with me in there a little bit um i've got to know big earn a lot towards the end of my career he was a player development guy in stockton and just being former alumni now um he's the man he's a, he's a cool dude too but one of the most intimidating moments of my life for sure yeah for sure it's like uh <laughs> one of those things where it's like you realize you're in one once you go with big earn um so another guy you fought, he's still in the league. Of course, he had the return to Boston, but big Lucic, um, you know, take us, th- take us through that scrap with him. Yeah, it's probably the one I get asked about more than any other fight in professional hockey for me. Uh, big earn, probably 1B, but, but the Luch one bigger. It's almost a million views on YouTube now or whatever, just because at that time, like, I put Big Earn up there and Revo and these guys, but, like, Luch was one of the undisputed man like you didn't mess with luch at that point that was like prime luch and i took that as such a challenge and i was still working my way in the lineup there you know kind of running around fighting guys and even my captain andrew theron said before the game he was like you know watch out for this guy like i know you're tough but he's in a different class and whenever i hear stuff like that i just i took it as motivation i'm like okay i'll show you watch this so we went down 3-1 it was either like 2 nothing or 3-1 and i remember they sent out aginla krejci lucic with uh chara and krug and i i, I got the tap from dallas Eakins. he goes gaz your lines up and i kind of turned around and looked and he just looked back at me and i was just like okay I kind of understand the messaging now. <laughs> so I went out there and I went after Iggy first. I like put my stick on top of Iggy's and he slid it back and did it. We did it like three times. He backed up and he goes, kid, are you for real? And I was just like, Jerome, man, like you're my guy. Like I, like I had pictures of this all of, on my wall. This guy's a kid, like figured I'd ask him for the go. And he goes, man, you, you know, you got a couple guys to ask before I'm going to drop the gloves with you. So I saw Luch across the way and Chara back. So I'm like, you know what, should I just go for big Z? And I go in my head, I go, wherever the puck goes first, I'm going to finish my hit. I'm going to ask that guy to go. So we ended up pass, pass, it gets, uh, it gets zipped down. It went D to D and I, I four checked and I was in on Chara and then I landed on Luch hit him stood right in front of him and i just wouldn't let him go anywhere i was just i stood right in front of him i was like you want to go he's like get out of here get out of here and i called him i can't i don't even know if i should tell you what i call him but i i threw a chirp at him and he goes did you just call me a bitch and he cross checks me at drug clubs go everywhere and it was right in front of the oil bench and man that was another one where he grabbed onto me and i was like okay just settle 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 he reached over top, grabbed my helmet from behind. It's the first time anyone had ever done this. Grabbed my helmet from behind and threw it all the way down the ice. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> stick in here, big fella. 
Um, but at that point, like you mentioned earlier in the interview, it took me a while to get to that point where I was like, okay, just breathe, go back to, you know, your training, go back to what you know. And for me, it was under undercuts and it was counters. So I baited him with an uppercut that hit and I'd usually let the punch come through and absorb and then throw that big right hand that everyone always seen. And the first one connected and he, and he kind of stumbled back and I went, Oh, I got him. I got him. So I tried it again. I'm like, let's do it again. So bait him with an uppercut, let his punch come through. And then I just hit this man as hard as I could. And you can see in the fight, he just kind of gets stunned. And I thought, I thought I knocked him out because that was the hardest I can hit a human being. And <laughs> he kind of just went back. He shrugged it off and like, comes back up and i'm like oh my god he's not going down fuck me uh, dude so I, I was thankful that the refs got in there because he had had me in a bad position after that because after i hit him i was like how's this man still standing up but the that was the loudest i heard rexall after that man in like the three years that i played there that place erupted and like that was kind of like a welcome to the league moment for me where every guy like Guys around the league, guys, former teammates and media people were texting me being like, good job, kid. Like my phone was blowing up and even the boys in the dressing room were just like, you know, this, this kid's a gamer. So uh, Ferentz gave me a tap on the back and I'll, I'll give you a little look. And I'm always proud of the fact that Luch told him that it was the hardest he'd ever been hit. So uh, oh, there you go. That's he was asking, a good one to he hang was, your head he was on. Asking, he goes, who is, he said, who is that kid? Like, <laughs> what, who is this kid I've never been hit, never been hit that hard in my life. So. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that one's true. Fair told me that, but long story, but I hope you enjoyed that. Oh, no. Fuck. Tremendous story. Um, I got to ask, because I'm a, so you, obviously you see the Duver jersey behind me. I do collect Enforcer jerseys, and there's the modifications are endless on them. Were you a guy that did any modifications to your jersey, whether it be like a tighter sleeve, extra tie down, something like that? Nothing. Nothing. And, um, to be, to be honest, I didn't really even have any pre-fight rituals. Like I remember, you know, my good buddy, Mikey Leambus, he was a wrist tape guy. You'll see a lot of guys, especially like the tougher, tougher guys really love that stability around their wrist. Yep. You'll see white tape there. I didn't like that. I liked feeling exposed. And that's probably why my wrists hurt so much these days <laughs> when I'm golfing and stuff. Cause I got some bad arthritis now, but no, I was never, I never did any of that stuff, man. I, I didn't make any adjustments with my elbows or my shoulders. I'm, I'm even trying to think back of any equipment stuff, but definitely with the Jersey, it was just tie down, make sure the tie downs there. I didn't want to take that extra penalty from, um, from the rest with the Jersey. And, um, no, some guys I know, I won't drop any names, but some guys I know got, you know, a, a little more baggy here and um, had some different uh, ways to get around those. But I was just, I was normal, man. I uh, I played by the rules, I guess you said. <laughs> yeah, no, there's uh, the, the the possibilities with jersey mods are just endless. That's stuff I've seen throughout the years. I mean, like Cordic had Velcro sleeves back in the day. Uh, Marty McSorley would have super tight spandex sleeves, stuff like that. Just it's crazy. Like the, the ingenuity for jerseys you wouldn't think would be there in terms of toughness or or whatever, because like it's like who the hell would do this to a hockey jersey? But it's the the sweater <laughs> the sweater mods are awesome. Uh, so I always have to yeah, ask I that know. question. Um, yeah. Well, you you alluded to it a little bit. Well, you said you had arthritis. One of the big things with the role of enforcers and tough guys is the injury side of things. What were some of the injuries you, you sustained, whether it be fighting or just in your career in general, I guess, throughout your role of playing? Oh, man, I'd say the biggest one is my shoulders. I've had four operations on my shoulders, um, three here and one here. 
tons of dislocations and sublocks sub and um, torn labrum, AC joints, you name it. Um, the upper body took a beating, uh, three teeth missing and, you know, the scars that come with it. Uh, fortunately, never broke a bone in my face, no nose or orbital or anything like that. Um, broke my head, my hand a couple times. Uh, a lot of upper body stuff, I'd say. The shoulders really took a beating, man. I never really even got the shoulders back to to full strength. Like I, I got them well enough to play and pass physicals, and then I would start fighting five, ten, fifteen times a year, and they and they would just go go back to where they were. So uh, I was fortunate to um, on the head side to not be a guy that had you know dozens of concussions and stuff like that my head stayed pretty free from injury but it was the hands the wrists and the shoulders that really took a beating for me over my career and like i said i feel it now uh, when i'm on the golf course and stuff like that uh you can feel the hands and when the weather gets cold uh this guy starts getting a little sore yeah for sure um well, on the Edmonton team, I got to ask, and I'll go off the beaten path of tough guys real quick, but I always just got to ask because I'm also a, I'm a, a low-key goalie guy, and you had Brizgalov on the team. Do you have any good Brizgalov stories for us? Yeah, Briz was the he was the man. He uh, I, didn't, I didn't really get to know him that well, but he when he got there and for the short, brief time he was there, he rented an apartment right next to mine in Edmonton, downtown on Jasper, so... We ended up carpooling a bunch. And if anyone knows the Edmonton airport, it's like an hour away. So we kind of carpooled there. And he just offered one day to pick me up really early, like from the time he was there. I'd say in like the first or second week, he said, Gazi, I'll pick you up tomorrow morning. I know it's the worst impression ever, but I'll pick <laughs> you up tomorrow morning. And so we we did like the 45, 50 minute trek out to the airport. And I want to say interesting, but like it was he was very out there. He all that stuff you saw on TV about the universe and all that, like that's that was true. Like he was dropping right. like knowledge like that and had books in the backseat about different stuff about earthly creations. And like he was just a very, very, you know, different guy in terms of the way he thought. And we didn't really talk much hockey. It was more just about life, but he was actually just a cool, I don't know, he's a pretty cool guy. He was really laid back. I think that's one of the things that, you know, people maybe didn't like about him when he was there because it came off as that maybe he didn't really care about hockey. Like, he didn't really care about the wins or losses, but that was just kind of his personality. He just kind of shook things off and looked at more of the big picture. But I had nothing but, you know, good interactions with him in the time he was there. Yeah, I know, Briz. He came, became that polarizing figure after um, that Winter Classic documentary from, I think I was like 2011. I feel so old now saying that. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I was like, oh, I got to ask about Briz Goloff at least. Uh, but, you know, moving back to the, the fighting side of things, you ended up fighting Kevin Westgarth that year and still probably one of the biggest KOs I've ever seen. Um, what was that feeling and what was like the emotion like after that fight? I mean, to be honest, it's not, it's not great. It's not a, yeah. it's not a super great memory for me. Like I talk about it, but like, I think everyone's different in the way they talk about fights and especially knockouts like that. Cause I ended up meeting Westy after and doing some stuff with him and on ice guardians and through the NHL alumni. And he's an outstanding person and human being. And you just, I don't know. It's hard to separate the player from the, from the person. And I was just doing my job. Right. I, it was a Saturday night. Calgary comes into town battle of Alberta. I got to protect my territory, protect my guys. Um, and I'd been running around a little bit. Like it, it was, it was a game where I'd finished some checks on some guys and 
I think you can see in the video before he, uh, in a TV timeout, Rex, all the benches were right, right beside each other. He came right up to the, to the point where our benches meet and was like, Hey kid, you're going to run around. You got to answer the bell. And I just remember being like, all right, like, let's go. Like, I, I'm, I'm not saying no. Have I said no? All, like, I haven't said no all season. So we literally went like the next shift and it was one of those ones where it almost happened in slow motion because I'd watched him fight a bunch of times before and he wasn't really fighting the same way that I had seen him fight. I kept waiting for this like second push, but I kept hitting him and hitting him. And um, yeah, I think I, I expected for, you know, maybe some rights to come back over top or maybe a switch, but I think I was, you know, I was hitting them and then obviously landed that huge blow and, um, I got a little flack for like taking my helmet off and like dropping it. I think it looks like I spun it, but it wasn't at all, man. I just, it was right in my face and I just wanted to get it off my, off my head. I couldn't even see. Um, but I went back to the box and it's a crazy feeling after that, when the adrenaline starts to settle in your body and you realize kind of what you've done and the fans are jacked up, the boys are jacked up. But even me in that moment, I'm like, damn, like hope he's okay. Kind of thing. Right. Um, but I, I say this all the time after, man, like I think about that situation and like that could have been me, yeah. right? It's not like I jumped him. It's not like it was an unwilling combatant. It was two guys that basically he almost, he basically initiated it. It's two willing guys. And, you know, that could, could have been me knocked out on the floor. So uh, it, it's not like I feel bad or regret about it because I could have been on the other side of it. Um, and in terms of, you know, putting a statement out there to the league. I think that just added to it as me being a rookie in the league saying like, I know there's a lot of these guys that have been there for a while and, and done this. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here to stay kind of thing and credit to him man. three weeks later, he came back to yeah. Edmonton and we fought again for a second time and he was a little more defensive. Um, it was still a good scrap. I don't think I was, I was maybe halfway into his shift. Not that that's an excuse, but um, credit to him, man. Came back for a second round. We had another great scrap. And like I said, I got to know Westy after retirement and great guy, great person. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's one of those things where he's trying to do the exact same thing to you. And like you said, you didn't yeah. jump him. It was a fair fight. You both squared off and, you know, got after it. So there should be no hard feelings. It's, um, it's an unfortunate result, but at the same time, it's a hockey fight and in a fist fight, it's just a thing that can happen. Um, so, I mean, yeah, credit to Westgar too, for coming back. Because I remember even in the clip, the announcers are like, you know, all the props to this kid comes back three weeks later, fought the same guy that knocked him out. So, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Westgarth fan, too. One of the last guys to kind of do it as well. Um, he is one of the last true guys, man. He was nails for a long time and Stanley Cup champion. So, good dude. For sure. Well, I just got a couple more guys to ask you about. Um, and then I'll, I'll kind of get you on your way here. Well, I got we got to talk Ice Guardians a little bit too, of course. But uh, the other guy, he's actually getting his number retired. But Chris Neal of Ottawa, one of the I mean, you want to talk about one of the last true guys too, man. Holy, I love yeah. Chris Neal. Uh, how was it fighting him? Yeah, I love Nealer too, man. I talked about growing up in Toronto and watching the uh, Battle of Ontario. You know, seeing Chris Neal go uh, both hands and toe to toe with with whoever it was, whoever it took. And uh, it's the first time I had played in Ottawa, I think. And we just we had just gone down two nothing, and we went out there, and he came over the boards. And I thought, what you know, what a great chance, what a great opportunity. I knew my GM Mac T was in the building, and there's a lot of question marks around the team at that point. And at some points, man, you can only really worry about yourself and your game. And my job was to get out there, st you know, stir the pot, finish checks, and 
I wanted this one bad. So I, I kind of did the same thing as Luch. I, I kind of turned my body and stood in front of him, gave him a little shot. And I was like, we got to go. And um, I didn't love the fight. Uh, we, we went toe to toe and it was one of those ones after where I looked back and I, I wasn't as confident in myself as I should have going toe to toe. If you watch round two in Jersey, when I was in New Jersey the next year, that's how I kind of wanted to do it. And that's the thing, learning with time, man. Right. But Neeler had this thing where he didn't care. He would switch to the other hand and he was absorbing your punches with a counter. He was so smart at it. And even if you did hit him, uh, he could eat them. So we had two really good rounds, one in, at, one in uh, Ottawa when I was with the Oilers and the next year in Ottawa when I was with the Devs. Um, but same thing for him. And he actually gave me props. Was it after the devil's one? It was after one of the two where, uh, he had just hit his 25th hundred penalty minute. So he, in the <laughs> box, he was like, Hey, thanks kid. Thanks kid. He pointed up to the scoreboard. I saw the record and I was just like, Hey, no problem. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, awesome. Nothing, nothing but love there between, uh, between me and that man. Cause like you said too, he was one of the, uh, one of the elite, uh, tougher guys, pound for pound, especially in in uh, in his generation. Yeah, no doubt. I love, yeah, I love me some Chris Neal. It was really cool to see that the Ottawa Senators retired his number because normally you always see uh, you typically see tough guy numbers retired in minor pro, but not really at the NHL level too much. And you know, some people you, you see some people online bitching about, oh, he didn't score that many goals. It's like that's not the point. It's what he meant for the team and how many years he did it. So it's really, I I think it's cool to see a team actually retire a tough guy's number at the NHL level. I thought that was really cool too, man. It's not always about goals and points. It's about the impact you make with the team, the organization, and the uh, and the surrounding community. And he did all of the above with excellence. Um, so I I had absolutely no problem with it. I loved it. I loved it. seeing the tough guys get some recognition. So uh, pretty cool to have your name up there in the banners. I, I don't know if mine's going anywhere uh, out of my teams, but uh, uh, pretty cool to see a tough guy in the Raptors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another guy I'll ask you about, and of course, he just he was in Minnesota he's with now, but Pat Maroon, you fought him when he was with Anaheim. Uh, how was it fighting him? Because he was still, I think he was still trying to, you know, make a name for himself at the time. It was him kind of breaking into the league. So uh, how was it fighting kind of a younger Pat Maroon? Yeah, that was my, I want to say third year in Edmonton, because I swear he got traded to the oil like three weeks later or got picked up on waivers like three weeks later. I believe we were you were Anaheim. still, with, I believe it was your third year. Yeah, and what he does, Patty's Patty's a beauty, man. I have a hard time talking about him without laughing, just because he's I don't know, he's so funny and outgoing, and and just a competitive guy too. But he he takes some runs, some unnecessary runs at guys, and he knows exactly what he's doing. He's trying to stir the pot, and we were having a bit of a you know a bit of a physical match in Anaheim that night, and he had just ran over Euro Packer and my line mate and I turned around and I knew exactly who it was so it was towards the end of the shift for me but I grabbed on and one thing Patty's really good at is he uses his strength and size to his advantage you know he knows how to pull you in and tie up and he'll just take away my right right away and if you're strong enough and you can hold that grip for long enough you know that's one of the ways you can defend a guy like me so I remember not loving the fight because I don't, I don't think I hit him. I think I got the takedown, but maybe hit him a couple times. And I, that was one of those ones where I fought more on emotion than mm -hmm. on, you know, skill and strategy. And I didn't really usually fight like that. Like I wasn't ever really upset, but that was one where I was like pissed. I was like, man, F this guy. Like he just ran over, like, <laughs> like he just ran him over from behind. So I, I felt that almost too that 
some of those some of those fights where I was angry, I didn't do as well as I wanted to because you kind of let the emotion and adrenaline take over. Yeah. Uh, but it was funny because he ended up getting picked up like weeks or months later, and we ended up sitting right across each other from uh, on the plane at the card table playing cards, and we had to get it out of the way right away. And it's nothing but love too. Once he gets in the locker room, I didn't right. think we say anything. Just a big dab and hey man, what's going on? You know, everything's good. So. So you like in the role, I guess, before I get to the last guy here, what I'm always curious to see what kind of regiments guys have for their training and stuff like that. Was there anything specific? Like, did you do boxing or MMA um, in the off season to kind of work on fighting skills by any chance? Honestly, not at all. Like I finally started working with a guy, Jorge Blanco here in Toronto, the Spaniard who works with a bunch of guys kind of undercover. He's pretty private guy here in Toronto, but uh, he's more of an MMA coach, but he was so good at the tactical side and he would teach us fighting um, as it happened on the ice. And what I really learned with Jorge was how to punch. Like, I wish I had done that earlier in my career because he, he would tell me, you know, like, I can't teach you on the ice, you know, how to move your feet and your legs. I've never been on skates before, but I can teach you how to throw a proper punch and teach you technique. You know, instead of punching with these two knuckles, you're punching with these two knuckles and where the strength comes from and where to load from your hip. And um, I, it took me a long time until I kind of figured out that stuff. And uh, the fighting really took off from there. But when I was young, I just mainly worked in the gym and made sure that I had good cardio, especially like, working on longer distance cardio, 45 seconds to a minute, whatever it was, so that if I got in those scenarios, and I worked on it a lot on the ice, I would say too. Like, especially in junior, me and Bussy, me and Mike Leambus in practice, we worked on it all the time with each other. We would fight each other, you know, not hitting each other, but hey, let's do, let's spar a little bit. And, you know, even in pro hockey, different guys would grab me all the time and be like, guys, can you teach me a couple things? And that would teach me stuff too. So getting the reps on the ice and getting used to it um, and learning some different combos and techniques from different guys that I played with. Eric Goddard's a perfect example. When he got to Texas uh, in my third year of pro, I grabbed him one of the first times after practice in Austin. I was like, let's just spar, like teach me some stuff. So he kind of taught me a couple combos and switching your hands, um, but not too much straight like boxing or, you know, MMA training other than that. Yeah, I'm always curious to see what what guys do in the offseason because it's always – there's just so many different methods. Like you have Scott Parker who would punch trees with chains to fucking callus his knuckles. And I heard uh, George LaRock, one of the the big things he used to do was he used to do pull-ups with – like he'd put a towel over the pull-up bar and just use his grip on the towel to do pull-ups. And it's just like, holy shit, you know, like these dudes are just fucking crazy. So I'm always just curious to see what what guys do. It's always interesting to see what methods uh, different different guys come up with. But – um, the last guy I got to ask you about, and it's because I, he was on like your fight card every season towards the back half of your career, but you had like a good rivalry with old Jamie Devane. Uh, you know, how, how was it fighting him and what made you guys go like pretty much almost like every other game? It seemed like you guys would play each other. Well, I will tell you that that battle between Ontario and San Diego in the AHL is the real deal. Like <laughs> one of the most bitter rivalries that I've played in in my whole career and it took me the whole length of my career to get down to the pacific division and figure that out and it was mostly just because of those battles they also had curtis mcdermott there and they just played that way man like they were mercilessly running guys and finishing checks and devo is very similar to me like big right-handed puncher 
protects his body and his face really well. Um, doesn't do anything particularly special, but throws really hard and loves his uppercuts and loves the body shots. So that's a guy where you have to protect yourself and you can't really make too many mistakes. So for him, that was a guy that I love to counter punch with and, you know, wait and kind of bait him. But he was nails, man. He uh, was a couple years younger than me and a guy that I played against dating all the way back to junior. Um, and just, we had never fought that much early in our career. And then it took us till the end of our <laughs> career to start just scrapping every game. But he was, um, he was a tough kid too, man. And, and I got a lot of respect for him because we went back and forth and, uh, and he was a gamer every time. Yeah, for sure. I was, I had to ask. I was like, man, I was like, fuck, they're fighting like every other game. It seemed yeah. like it was great. Um, well, you're with Sportsnet, and so obviously you, you watch you watch the game now. What do you think of today's game compared to even when you played back in like 2014? Man, I love the game today. It's it's obviously disappointing that it's not as physical and there's not as much fighting in today's game, but it's hard to complain about the, the speed and the, uh, the yeah. skill level of the players that we're watching on a nightly basis. Like it's fun to watch. It's so fun for me to sit in the studio and watch these young kids and watch Zegris and, and especially Connor and Leon and Edmondson. And um, I'm just sitting there like be like bewildered, like amazed in the studio every night at like the, the crop of kids and skill we, we see coming in. Listen, would I like would I like to see a couple more scraps? Yes. Like this preseason has driven me nuts just because I'm watching games where there's like 10 hits total. And I just remember wanting to make teams so bad and get noticed and would do anything. And I don't think that attitude is like that anymore for the younger guys coming in the league. Um, but hey, it's it's tough not to love the game i i just i love hockey and i love to see the way we've developed i think the toughness and heavy aspect of playing is starting to turn the corner again teams will always recognize it and will always recognize that idea and element of toughness and whether it's having just a one singular guy on your roster roster call it a ryan reeves or a luch um that can kind of you know place play bodyguard like like uh you know typically we we have or you have a team that is, you know, generally more tough to play against, and you have two, three, four guys that will drop the gloves. Edmonton's a good example. Darnell Nurse, Evander Kane, uh, DeHarnay, guys that you wouldn't think of as, like, prototypical, like, tough guys, but they'll all stand up and defend themselves. They all got a little bit of snarl to them. Um, so, yeah, there are some games working some nights out where I'm like, this is one of the worst games I've ever seen. This is so boring. <laughs> yeah. Like, there hasn't been anything, like – we'll go through two periods of a late night, like Vancouver Carolina game. And I'm like, what am I going to talk about in between periods here? This, <laughs> this right. is like watching paint dry, but all in all the skill level that we're seeing on a night to night basis, day to day basis. Um, and, and the, the slivers of toughness that we still see. I, I love the game. Yeah, for sure. The way I've always seen it, like today's game, it's not necessarily my cup of tea. This is why I probably watch the ECHL. The, the style of play down there is a bit more towards my liking, which is why I watch it. But you could, the 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 player's skill today is absurd. Like the the stuff you see McDavid do it baffles me every year. It's uh, it's actually crazy. Um, and I, I I think it's great. I love it. It's just I 
the games that you said that missed that that snarl that kind of that flare a little bit it's like uh, i feel like they just happen more often than not so that's just personally why i watch the echl but i'm always curious to see what some people think because i mean there's some guys who did your role that absolutely like they won't watch a game today like at all they're like fuck i'd rather watch golf and then you have other people that love it so i'm just always curious to see what people think um and most of the no, time I'm a, I'm a hockey nerd man I, yeah. I like I love I love watching the game and um yeah like I would love to see a little more together team toughness on on a night-to-night basis but you see it every now and then and it's great last night whatever his name and Hayden Hodgson takes an absolute like lay oh, I loved stone it. out yeah. in the Vegas game and then you know stone gets up and chases right after him and you know it chaos ensues i love that stuff man yeah. i love guys sticking up for each other and i think i wish i saw that a little more not just like oh big hit got to see a fight like I, I like seeing like 5v5 and teams sticking up for their crest and um yeah i wish i saw a little bit more of that but uh hey man can't win them all yeah exactly um well, I mean, I appreciate you for taking the time. Uh, you know, I don't, I've kept you long enough, but I do want to talk about Ice Guardians just real quick. Uh, and for those that don't know, Ice Guardians is a documentary based on the tough guys and enforcers in hockey. And they had guys from all different eras. They had guys like Clark Gillies on there, uh, Scott Parker, and then guys like yourself and uh, McGratton on there. So what was it like being involved with the Ice Guardians uh, documentary? Dude, it was so cool. Um, Produced. Sir Adam Scorgi was a uh, an Edmonton native, and I hadn't met him or I didn't know him before that. Uh, he called me and asked, you know, asked me about the opportunity about being in, involved in the film, and told me the whole idea behind it. He said, "Let's go sit down, let's have lunch." So we sat at Cactus Club uh, in Edmonton uh, one afternoon, and he told me about the theme of the movie and the guys that he had involved and what he had shot already. And he had this theme of kind of wanting dual perspective of a couple guys that were on their way maybe out of the league called them i think it was kevin westgar's last last year in the league at that time brian mcgraden um as opposed to my first year in the league he wanted a couple guys that were breaking into the league and kind of um you know really making a name for themselves and carrying on that torch of kind of being you know the enforcer tough guy <clears throat> so i obviously agreed it was one of the easiest and quickest yeses uh that, that i've said they ended up flying out to Toronto that summer and we filmed it right here in my parents' basement. I'm here right now hanging out <laughs> with them. Um, put all the jerseys up and we did all the interviews down here. And it was just so cool, man. A couple months later, we got to do the premiere here in Toronto. It was the act, like the actual movie premiere for it uh, in Toronto with over 400 people. And I had all my friends and family there and we got to watch it in this cool theater in Toronto with a, with a red carpet and, we did a Q&A hot stove on the stage after where I'm sitting with all these guys on stage with like Cote and Gods and Wendell Clark and Gratz and Westy and all these guys. And I always felt out of place in that too. I was like, these guys are legends, man. Like these guys are nails. And um, it was just cool to be thought of and, and to be a part of it. And I, I still go back and watch it every now and then, man. And it's one of the things that I swear people come up to me more than any other thing in my career and are like saw you in ice, ice guardians loved it man like that was so cool so it was a really cool thing for me to be a part of and uh super proud of it and and uh in my career and, and the tough guy side in general yeah for sure well luke i appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and talk some tough guys and fights and everything like that you know what a legendary career you had I, like i said going through your fight card i was just like holy shit like man it was unreal so i definitely appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast man this was awesome not a problem anytime uh, appreciate um 
anybody having me, especially guys that still love the old school, uh, the old school style, man. So thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Well, just real quick, remind people where they can find the uh, shed in the mitts with Luke Gazdick. Mitts off with Luke Gazdick. Oh, that's you what it is. My, I totally yeah. messed that up. My fault. <laughs> it's all, it's all <laughs> it's good, terrible. man. It's all good. You can find us on um, uh, on YouTube on um, uh, Mitts Off on my our YouTube channels where all the videos stored, uh, audio and uh, that stuff's on Spotify, Apple. Um, you can find through my personal channels on Twitter and Instagram at Luke Gazdick and catch me on Hockey Central and some late game intermissions every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday on Sportsnet. Well, there you go, folks. That's where you can find Luke Gazdick. Luke, thank you so much for taking the time, man. No problem, buddy. Have a good one.